Hi, welcome to the Bariation Podcast, where we support the bariatric community with humor, humility, and honesty. I'm April. I'm Jason. I'm Natalie. And if you're watching, you already know we have one of the most favorite humans on the planet, our friend, our member extraordinaire, Mr. Herb. Hi, Herb. Hi, friends. So good to be here. We are so excited to welcome you back. This is a topic that we are very interested in diving into. Uh, recently, publicly on uh, on the wonderful Barry Graham, you have been sharing with people what you have been going through in terms of your bariatric stage. You have fully arrived in the commitment, and you are really giving us all a masterclass in how you are loving yourself through this period of time. And really, as you said earlier, before we hit record, you're really learning how to to love yourself and navigate through this, even when you don't have all of the answers. It's such a confusing time. Everybody hopes and wishes they can avoid the commitment. Absolutely cannot happen. <laughs> Everybody goes through it. Uh, and and you have been you've been sharing how you're move, moving through that journey with with a lot of grace and, and a lot of love and a lot of kindness for yourself. So we're just excited to kind of dive into that topic and uh, and hear from you uh, how it's been going. So before we turn the mic over, I'd love to give it to you to introduce yourself. Absolutely. So I'm Herb. I'm in Chicago. I had VSG in May of what year is it? 2021. These past few years, there's been a pandemic. It's all a blur. Um, so a little over two years post-op. And yeah, I'm standing high on this mountaintop of the commitment. I picture it like this vast, windy scape. And I'm standing here and I'm looking off in the distance. I'm like, well, now what? <laughs> Now what? That's what we're here to chat about, right? That's the million dollar question. Now what? <laughs> mm -hmm. Now what? It, uh, in a conversation that I was having, it was maybe it was, it was a Barry Nation support group that I was in, or it was a class or something. I was I was on a Zoom with, with Barry Nation members. And one of them just so proudly proclaimed, I thought I was going to avoid it. And oh my God, I am smack in the middle of it. And it's so just beautifully her expression and just how she said it. It really is the stage that we hope or we think that we can avoid because if we do everything right in the beginning, then we're just gonna go straight from the honeymoon to boom, life and maintenance and everything's gonna be great. And just how you described it is actually a perfect visualization for me, right? Standing on the mountain, it's windy. What do I do now? And it's nothing I ever thought about. You know, I, I looked in my binder, I looked for two years and after like, well, now what am I supposed to do? And there's not, I think the answer is there's not one set of rules for everyone, right? It's different for everybody. And that's the trick. And so, yeah, we're all figuring it out together. Well, it's kind of the, it's kind of the good and the bad thing of not having it in the binder. And I think that that's probably one of the things the surgery centers were smart enough to realize is that it is not one size fits all there are going to be different things that happen for different people. And so putting it in the binder, like they do the 1200 calories and drink your water for the rest of your life, isn't always going to be the answer for everyone. And two and three and four years out, 1200 calories and drink your water really isn't going to be sustainable for people, depending on their level of activity that, you know, just there's all kinds of different things that factor into it. So it's kind of a, a plus and a minus in my mind of why it's not. In there. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about this before, you know, when I knew we were going to chat, I, in some ways, I feel like I'm a victim of my own success. And, you know, I don't want to speak for everyone, but my first year, I was wildly successful, like way past what my program, you know, prescribed what, what my results would be. And I think I spoke about this with some of you last year at that one year mark that that year anniversary, I was so excited for. And then I had another now what feeling like I've achieve such highs. And I think what trips, I'll speak personally, what trips me has tripped me up is you get so addicted to the highs on this journey. And that also happened when, you know, we were battling obesity before, right? You get so addicted to the high of eating that food or in diet culture, you get so addicted to the dropping the 20 pounds in one week because I drank lemonade and honey, right? We get so addicted to those highs that I think in reality, our bariatric lives should be kind of boring. Food should become a little bit more rote, a little bit more routine. And so what I've struggled with is figuring that out for myself without feeling like 
I'm dieting or I'm doing that for the rest of my life. And we go back to that all the time, right? The arrival fallacy. We've talked about it at the beginning of the, the year this year. We we keep thinking, oh, I'll get to my one-year mark. I'll get to my two-year mark. I'll get to my five-year mark. And it'll all be good then. Well, the years go by, you know, I'm almost three years post-op. And I'm like, those those dopamine hits are lesser and lesser and lesser the farther that I go out in regards to my my health journey and my my fitness. Um, I mean, this last weekend we're recording in June, you know, we did this this huge 5k we've been planning this for forever and and it's done and it was great and it was wonderful and I'm kind of having that now what scenario but you will always have that now what you know you'll you it's good to set goals it's good to get to those uh those milestones but they don't need to be these huge grand uh events and gestures uh to be worth something. So I think there's a lot to be said for, for living that boring bariatric life. We all want, we need that (laughs) really. You said something a long time ago on a podcast, Nelly, that stuck with me all throughout my journey. And it was something like, you know, we're not running a race, right? Like there's not an end point. And I think what's really helped me and I didn't get there immediately. It's taken me a month or so after my, well, it's been a couple of weeks, but my anniversary was the 24th of May, but as opposed to viewing these milestones, you know, a month out, a year out, two months or two years, whatever it is, instead of viewing them as endpoints, just viewing them as new beginnings, you know, this is the beginning of my next year of this journey, right? This journey of a lifetime as a bariatric patient. And that has felt like it's taken a little bit of the, the judgment away from it for me, you know, at at one year post-op, I was wildly successful. At two years post-op, like many of us, I gained a little bit of weight. And my doctor was like, that's oh, all right. And, you know, good luck. But, <laughs> you know, if, I, if I've if i had that, my, or I've given myself permission to have that mindset shift of, you're just beginning year three, you haven't ended anything. That's felt like it's taken a little bit of heat off the burner for me. It's a way to to lower that temperature to say like, this is, I mean, it's cliche for a reason. Every year to me has been a chapter. What did I learn this last year? Well, my first year, it was like, how did I learn how to eat my eat food and have nutrition and make sure that I'm balancing that? My second year was, okay, life can be really fun, but you also have to do the boring stuff in order to be successful. My third year is an... So, yeah, it, it's it's not that things are ending, it's things are just continuing on. The story continues. Well, it's kind of like the birthday rule. It's like, you know, you got a, a few big birthdays in your life. So it's like 16 is awesome because you get your license. 17, that's fine. I'm about to be 18. So it's just it's just a year. 21st, awesome. You're 21, you can go do the things now. 22, eh. So it's like if you put yourself in the mind frame of it, it's something to celebrate, but it's not going to be the, the, like you said, Herb, there's no end point. Because if we, because we are creatures that look for the celebration, like we want people to recognize us to go, oh my God, I haven't seen you in so long. You look, you look amazing. When that stuff is over, when the compliments and things on Facebook, you know, when you share Instagram reels and surge anniversaries and, t- you know, transformation Tuesdays and all that, when those start to wane and you're like, oh, well, I'm not getting the same reaction that I used to, it does start to get bland. And that's a where we see a lot of people start to kind of, you know, maybe either fade off or dig into the commitment phase and say, oh, well, I guess I'm not too life and maintenance yet because I've got a little more work I want to do. And they kind of look at it that way. And that's kind of their jumping off. point. But, you know, people look at it, people kind of fear the autonomous phase because it does like in their mind, they think it is boring because it's like, oh, well, now it's just boiled chicken and broccoli every day, and that's just what it is, and that's my life, and I walk a little bit, I do this, or I go to the gym, and well, this is what I can say, this is like Groundhog's Day all over again. But what you don't realize is, is the freedom that comes with the autonomy phase for you to know what those days are going to look like, so that in the future, if there comes a time where there is a celebration, or there's something you build into that time, where you can go outside of the autonomous phase, and it's fine, like there's nothing wrong with doing that. 
but it's not going to be something that happens all the time. And that's a good and a bad. Like you're not living for the celebrations, but at the same time, when one comes, you can enjoy that to the fullest because of all the work you put in before that celebration gets here. There's a book on my shelf. It's actually right here. Bing. It's called Discipline is Destiny. And that book is exactly what we are really all kind of talking about. It's, it's, it's really about not fearing the mundane. It's about embracing the mundane as your path to kind of this freedom, right? When, when we dial things in, when we do focus on those small mundane disciplined tasks and things that we can do every single day, we are actually opening our lives up to much more freedom, much more diversity and, and opportunities because in many ways, right, that discipline is, is freedom. It's a conversation that continues to come up uh, when we talk to, to other members, right, who are in the commitment or they're kind of in that life and maintenance or automation. It is a recurring theme. Um, and I think, Herb, you, you really are, you're, you're smack in the middle of it. And it's exciting to be able to talk to you in the moment because you're living it right now. I do not have the answers, to be sure. There's this juxtaposition between realizing that you still need to work on these things and being kind to yourself, but at the same time, still holding yourself accountable and not letting, you know, I'm looking at my spin bike behind my computer now. I'm, I've come to love spinning. I love getting on my bike. Those give me some of those endorphins that we're talking about, right? I haven't gotten on my spin bike in two or three weeks. So how do you marry the idea of being kind to yourself and being accountable to yourself? And I think the answer is there's a mind shift set that shift that holding yourself accountable in kind ways is being kind to yourself. And that's sort of the aha I've had with myself that being kind to myself doesn't mean that I just get to slack off. Being kind means holding myself to what I said I'm going to do. So I have a question for you. Then how how have you you know, like we'll take that spin bike uh, as an example, or maybe there's other things in your life that you're like, oh man, I need to get back to this. How, how does that conversation go? Like, what are some things that um, maybe you tell yourself uh, during those moments? Maybe we can even compare and contrast previously versus what you're working through now. Just, we all say things to ourselves in those moments. And I know pre previously for me, it was like, oh, like you've been so lazy or, you know, those verbiages, like those word choices. Um, whereas now I can say things that give me a little bit of that, that space and grace. So I'm curious to see how those conversations are going now versus how they, they did go previously. It's very much battling that all or nothing mindset that I've tackled. And for me, it's been more, it's not more that I need to get on my spin bike for 45 minutes every day next week. It's more that I need to get on my spin bike for three days, period, for no matter what the amount of time is. It doesn't have to be this gigantic thing that I'm biting off. It just has to be building the ability to form a habit. I stink at forming habits. I get into ruts and changing my everyday surrounding food and exercise. I do really well with it, but I fall off that bike unintended. I'm a total cliche. There's like clothes hanging on my spin bike right now. I wish I could show you. Um, I'm really great at falling off that bike. So exactly what you said, Nat, how do you talk to yourself kindly while still holding yourself accountable? And for me, it's been taking that heat off and just saying, just do something. Even if it isn't getting on my spin bike, even if it's taking both of my dogs for a walk a day, I'm moving, I'm building a habit. And can I do that three times this week? Great. Next week, could I do it four times? Awesome. That next week, can I bring my water along with me on those four walks so I'm getting my hydration goal? And sort of just snowballing those things so that it doesn't feel like I'm overwhelmed with all the things that I have to do to bariatric on a given day. We, we talk often about how this journey 
it can be maybe more enjoyable or maybe we'll have higher levels of, of success if we can lower the temperature. And what you just described, Herb, is, is that's what I think of in, in my brain. I had the same breakthrough that you did. I realized I was talking myself out of or I was I was holding myself to these standards that were just not achievable because I was putting so many parameters on the things that I needed to do. I'm going to ride my bike these days for this amount of time. I'm going to do in it, you know, and it, all of a sudden it was just like, oh my God, I've, you know, I've, <clears throat> I've overplanned myself to the point that I'm, I'm talking myself out of doing it. So when I started to remove kind of those caveats and just keep things very simple, I'm going to move my body three days this week. It, it opened up a lot of freedom in my life for choice, uh, for flexibility, and, and for just whatever the day was was going to throw at me. But it, oh, for whatever reason, it just makes those goals more achievable. And we have the vast expanse of our lifetime to figure this out, right? That can also be very intimidating. But I think there's a happy medium to be found between you know, I'm going to get up at 4 a.m. and ride my spin bike and I'm going to, you know, make my meal for the next week and I'm going to journal for two hours and I'm going to drink 4,200 ounces of water every day, right? Versus, you know, just tackling things one at a time, weekly, monthly, whatever works for you, as long as you are flexing that muscle of building the habit um, to get to that routine set point, I think you're winning think you're doing it well because the habit is just like april said it's just movement it doesn't have to be got to be on the spin bike it's got to be on the elliptical it's got to be three and a half miles a day because if something happens you can't go the three and a half miles or it's like oh well, what's the point of even doing it at all you kind of get to that point and i think you know what you're saying about talking to yourself in a, in a better way it's gonna get you know it, it's gonna get you farther than if you just beat yourself down because you're already going through enough as it is trying to manage this journey alone it's hard so it's even harder when you're hard on yourself on top of the hard that you're already going through there's no need to burden yourself down with that much weight to carry because at that point it, you know you lost 100 pounds but you're carrying 150 pounds in guilt and shame and all the other weight that you're doing so it's like you haven't made any progress at all. And, and in effect, you can talk yourself into going backwards. And it's just not like, you know, I always say that loudest voice you're going to hear all day is the one inside your head. So make sure it's kind of because it works in all aspects of that, including this, because like Herb said, he's looking at the, the clothes hanging on his spin bike, but he's not beating himself up about it because there's other ways he can move and do things that are going to benefit him that don't necessarily have to be that spin bike. Absolutely. And I'll tell you the one other thing that's helped put this down, your phone down, your Instagram down, your social media down. I, you know, right over, you know, in that lead up to that two-year mark, I would see posts about Transformation Tuesday and I would see posts about what I eat in a day and how to make a profit and, you know, how to build muscle by weightlifting. And I was just angry. It wasn't putting me in a good headspace. And I think it was because it was just simply information overload. And sometimes you just need to sit down with, you know, your own support group within Berry Nation, wherever you are, or maybe it's just one or two trusted people in your life and just say, hey, I'm struggling with this and I need help figuring this out. Can we just talk about this? Don't it works for some people for sure, but I'm telling folks out there, for some people, it is just a detriment. And for me, it's been a detriment in this part of my journey. I love following everyone's stories. I love, you know, interacting with people. I've made some great friends through Instagram and, uh, and other places, but I want to give folks permission, just set that down. Don't log in. Just focus on what you need to do in, for what I find to be more helpful in healthy ways. And And to that point, there's balance in everything, right? The The goal of bariatric surgery really is to find that metabolic balance, that life balance. Um, and, you know, the Instagram community, the online, you know, weight loss community, bariatric community is there to help motivate and encourage, but it does get to be overwhelming. I don't know about you guys, but I go 
oh, I'll take April, for example. Oh, April's outside she's, or she's on her Peloton again. I should be doing something. And that's like our, our friend, Sarah, Jason's wife, Sarah says, don't shit on yourself. But you get into that headspace of like, I should be doing that. Or why am I not doing that? And that's where that negativity can come from. And I think exactly what you said, her going to a support group like Berry Nation, going to your trusted circle, even just going to yourself and asking yourself, like, what makes me feel lighter? Okay, I love to walk. Well, I don't really think I have the energy to go for my full, you know, two mile walk today. So I'll just go around the block. Maybe tomorrow I'll feel like going two blocks. Um, and, and just building on that is, is enough and giving yourself that time to just build back up again and, and find that, that love for maybe the movement or the water, whatever it is, uh, for you, but man, social media can be, it's a blessing, but it can be a, a detriment to, to a lot of us, I think. Well, it's, it's kind of like the, you know, you look at, if you ever studied for a test so much that you thought you'd be so prepared and then you wind up doing the test and you're so stressed out that you don't do worth a damn on the test. It's the same, you know, information overload is information overload regardless of what format it comes in and whether or not it be Instagram, Twitter, Google, Facebook, whatever it is, like just, yeah, it, it, setting it down and walking away from it for even a day, you'd be surprised at the clarity it will bring to you when you're not so focused on it that you don't focus on yourself. Because, you know, if you constantly are out there watching and picking up on it, what everybody else is doing, it can help to a point, but there is a point where you just begin to tear yourself down because you're not doing the things that everybody else is doing. And it might not be, you may be doing some of the things, but you may not be doing it exactly how that other person's doing it. And you're still going to beat yourself up like, oh, I could have been doing it this way the whole time. And how much weight would I have lost had I been doing this from the beginning? How have I only known? And you'll do that five, 10 times in a row with people's stories. And before you know it, you're, you know, you're in a dark hole. And a lot of times, you know, when, when we get in those places, like it's very hard to get out of. And that setback is way more than you even anticipated or way more than the joy you get out of it when you do see the happy stuff. Like it's just one of like the balance is so necessary. I would like to just revisit something that you said, and I'm going to also share this other resource. I've got like, I, if people, you all know me well, I'm not a religious person, right? But I have some books that are like my religious <laughs> texts. They are, they're my, they are my true Barry Bibles. This book, The Slight Edge is one of it. And in this book, oh, oh my God, I read it at just the right time when I was in my own commitment phase. I am the type of person who I think I need to know more information. I clearly have not learned what I need to learn. So I need to go forth and take in more information, information overload, or you just get to this point where I start learning things and it's repetitive. Like, oh, I already know this. And a fear would rise in me of like, oh my God, what if I'm never going to learn what I need to learn? And, and the learning is preventing me from moving forward along my journey. This book, The Slide Edge by Jeff Olson, gave me permission to say, you already know this. You already have everything that you need to do this journey. You don't need anything more. What you do need to do is return to the things that allowed you to accomplish your goal in the first place and start doing those things again. And it sounds like, Herb, that's kind of what I'm hearing in, in your story right now. I think I've said this before, but I... I... Sometimes I, I often step outside of myself when I'm in moments like this. And sometimes you just have to advocate for yourself with yourself. You know, I, exactly what you said, I know how to be successful. I have the tools to be successful. When I am compliant with my bariatric program, I can feel full. I feel great when I'm hydrated. When I'm moving my body, I feel better. I know all the things to do. I just have to get out of my own way and give my give myself permission in a kind way to get back to those places and figure out how to get back onto that routine. I think that's exactly right. Yep. Well, and we're all, every one of us on the screen, we are high achievers and we do live to, to get some big things accomplished. And once we get them done, we do check them off. Okay, done. 
I think very few times in, in, in our lives have we not been able to check the box and move on to something else, right? You, we hit that weight milestone goal. Oh, bingo, check, did it. And we think that we can move on from doing all of the things, but this isn't a college degree. This isn't, you know, working towards kind of one of those big goals. Yes, we can check a box when it comes to, I've reached, you know, a weight that is happy and healthy for me, but you have to still do all of those things because the moment you stop doing them, then you have to uncheck that weight box because that's the first thing that you're going to notice, right? Or you think, oh, I've got this mental health thing down. I've got this mindset thing down and you check it and you move on. But this is not uh, a checkbox moment in our life. This is this is a box that that has to forever remain unchecked. And that gives somebody like myself a lot of worry and anxiety because I want to check that box off and be done so I can move on to the next thing. And that's been a real aha moment for me as well that, you know, I have since I began my program did not set a weight goal for me. They're like, what, what do you want to get to? Well, I've wanted, I want to get to 200. So many of us in our community want to get under 200. And I've not gotten there. And I still, like, I can hear it in my head as we're speaking, beat myself up because I'm not there because I sure as heck by my second anniversary was going to be at 200 and I wasn't there. And so for me, am I ever going to get there? I have no idea. But what I do want to get to is meeting my water goals, meeting my macro goals, meeting my movement goals. And if that 200 comes along for that journey while I'm doing all those things, amazing. But that's where I'm beginning year three is trying to focus on those things and not necessarily worrying about getting to that that goal weight. I don't even know if 200 is my happy and healthy weight. I have no idea. Um, But, you know... I'm done obsessing about that number for right now. And I think it, what I'm hearing from all of us speaking is you really have to do what's right for you and, and not only accept it, but show yourself that love, give yourself that grace for sticking to what you need and checking in with yourself. Does this align with my goals and my needs and what works for me. I think we talk a lot about, you know, community is wonderful. We we know that community works and it's vital to uh, our success after surgery. But I also think that sometimes, again, we're absorbing so much of what others are doing that we don't, we forget or we choose to not listen to what we need. And by saying, you know what, this week, we're coming back from a huge trip. I feel like I need to be doing all these things. Getting my water in today is the best thing that I could do for myself right now. Mm -hmm. And just learning to be okay and accept and listen to what I need. Instead of saying, oh, well, April does this or Herb does this or Jason does this. Sometimes you just have to t- tune that out and just say, no, this is what I need. Yep. Well, we, we use the recipe metaphor all the time, right? My recipe is not necessarily going to be perfect for, 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 for your life, right? For your taste. But it's important that we, that we share our recipes with others so that when we're ready to build our own, we, we can take those ingredients from it. And if we, if we stick with this, this book metaphor, right? We've all read books where the storyline doesn't really carry as we think it is going to be throughout the book, right? It's like you get, you 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 end chapter 15 and you go on to 16 and you're like, oh my God, plot twist, you know, like did not see this coming. What, what chapter 15 was all about is not necessarily what chapter 16 is going to be all about. And I think another thing that's frustrating along this bariatric journey is what used to work for us all of a sudden instantly stops working. And we don't understand why, and we're just so frustrated. And it usually happens around this commitment stage, right? Things are going along smoothly, everything's rocking and rolling, and then boom, you 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 start you notice these weird things that you're thinking. Your mindset shifts, your anger's up, your temperatures up, your weights up. Everything is just off, and you're going, "What the? Heck? This was working for these first fifteen chapters. This was rocking and rolling, and now now you're going to give me a plot twist? You know, like two years in." But that is what this book is all about. This is what that journey is all about. And knowing that 
we, we probably all are going to reach stages where what once worked will not work anymore. And we're starting a new chapter. We're kind of back to square one and, and we're, we need to, you know, kind of build this storyline again using different things. And it can be frustrating. But also loving yourself to really evaluate what's going on and being truthful with yourself about, you know, what am I consuming? What am I actually moving? You know, am I actually moving? Am I actually also do, always doing these things? Because I think oftentimes, at least for me, when I hear talking about self-love, it's talking about giving yourself an excuse. Self-love is not about giving yourself an excuse. Self-love is giving yourself enough love to realistically look at what's going on, putting down the data points, evaluating what's happening. And if you're doing everything in compliance, then you probably may need to reach out to your medical team and see, you know, do I need to onboard some sort of different treatment? You know, is this really not working? Um, but self-love also includes being honest with yourself in a kind way, but also being honest with yourself. We say this all the time. This journey is about trust. It's learning when we can trust ourselves and when we can't be trusted. And that powerful conversation that we all can have with ourselves is really a great place to start when we know that change is needed. Because if we, yeah, I can tell myself all day long, oh, I ate great. I had a hundred grams of protein. If I'm not tracking, if I'm not being accountable to myself, absolutely no, I did not hit any of those goals. And I, you know, I've, I'd probably gone off the rails, but I will allow myself to tell whatever story is going to fit the narrative for the day if I don't have the data. But if I do have the data, hmm. pretty unequivocal. You're holding yourself accountable. And you can also be kind about the data that you find because that leads you more to believe where you'll find out a lot of times that you're nailing a lot of things you didn't know you were. So that can be something that you can celebrate. And then you also find the places where you may not be hitting it quite as much. And where being kind to yourself factors in there is making the changes, the positive changes you can do to make sure that you start, you know, bringing all of those categories in line. So it's not just like Herb said, it's not necessarily just about giving yourself the out. It's more about, you know, holding yourself accountable is being kind to yourself because if you, you know, if, if, at the end of the day, if you want to get where you're trying to go, you got to get there. Like you have to do the work to get there. You're never going to just skip over any part of this. Exactly. Take the heat off of it. Like you said, you know, step outside of yourself, look at what's going on and okay, well, here's what I could tweak. I could, you know, drink water before I have my morning coffee. I could take park at the end of the parking lot and walk farther into the grocery store. You know, there are all these other things that I could add to my day or to my week that we could do, but exactly take the heat off of the situation. Yeah. I mean, accountability for me before surgery, I always, in terms of health and, and wellness, I thought it was like some wellness coach or some fitness coach yelling at me. Why didn't you walk this week? I mean, that's what I imagined, right? Like, yeah it's like this super intense like militaristic thing when really it's like okay I need to fit into these macros and and finding those ways that like it's not just chicken rice and broccoli for the rest of your life I hate chicken rice and broccoli that is not my favorite meal so I'm gonna look and see what things nourish both my body and my soul? What are things that I enjoy eating? What are things that uh, I can make that are still satisfying, but still fit in my macros? Accountability is walking every day and realizing, oh, it makes me feel so good. And then asking yourself when you don't feel good, well, have I been doing these things? And having those honest conversations, it can be filled with love and kindness, but still holding yourself accountable. So I think for me, it was like, I had to really shift my perception of what accountability looked like. Cause I had no well, idea. I'm making chicken rice and broccoli for dinner. So I'll make sure not set you a plate. So that way, <laughs> no, but like, I, like really honestly, this conversation has been awesome for me because I think of it in ways of accountability. Like if April or Natalie reaches out to me and says, Hey, I'm struggling. I'm really thinking I'm having a problem with, you know, A, B, or C, whatever the line, whether it's water, protein, whatever. 
I'm not going to go to April and be like, well, way to go, dumbass. Like, you're not hitting your value. Like, way to go. Like, you're fucking failing. Like, way to go. Like, how, how dare you let yourself down? How, well, now we're doing this again. You want to go back to how you were? I don't talk to her like that. So why would I talk to myself like that? If I'm going to look at it, because the first thing I would say to her is, okay, let's break it down. Have we been tracking? Let's look at that. Where Where, where is it that we're, that we're missing? What do we think it is that could be possibly the issue? And why I won't do that to myself in the same way is kind of where I had to connect those dots because where I would do, I would say all of those things to myself because we're the first person to beat ourselves up because we've let ourselves down so many times. We have the history of doing that. So the automatic thing is for us, to, you know, trying to shame ourselves into getting better, but that's not helping anything. And it took a while for me to connect those dots to get to that point. Like you're not going to do that shit overnight. At least I was not gifted enough to be able to do that. So it takes time to get to the point where you can realize that, you know, like you said, take the heat off yourself because we don't know what we don't know. Like, we're not going to be experts at this. Like we've never lived like this before. So, of course, we're going to have some missteps. We're going to have some things that we think we're doing right. And then once we put pen to paper, we realize not so right. And you think you, know, you find little things that you slip in here and there and go, oh, this is probably OK. It's not OK. <laughs> some of it may be, but some of it may not be. And that's kind of one of those things where we always say you have to be, you have to kind of become your own chemist and figure out what your formula is that works for you and being, you know, beating yourself up to the point that you're not just don't want to try anymore is a real thing that we do to ourselves. And that's where a lot of the burnout comes from. And where a lot of the, I'm going to take a berry break and all that other stuff comes from is the fact that we just like, we really, it's not that we don't want to do the work anymore. We don't want to listen to ourselves, beat ourselves up and talk to ourselves negatively the way we have been for so long. That's really what I think the break is for. And I think that's where the, the commitment comes in. I think we're so gung-ho, right? I mean, we're excited. This is a new, we've had our surgery and we're doing all the things. We're buying water bottles and supplements and we're excited and and it, in a way, I think the commitment comes from a form of burnout. We get to, we hit that wall because we've been doing, oh, it was, it now. was. You cut out there for like 30 seconds. Oh, okay. It's okay. You said hit the wall and then after that it was out. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sorry. Uh, you know, we hit the wall and then we, and we, don't know where to go because we thought we were doing all of the right things and we were doing so much of it. And then we, we get tired and we want to take that break. Like you said, it gets exhausting and that's where the commitment comes in. Well, this, this is, this is a, a life that we never envisioned ourselves living. It, it's a future that we never thought would, would be ahead for us. So yeah, that, that burnout, that, that, that heaviness returns and that definitely throws up, throws us for a loop, you know, and I'm, I'm just sitting here realizing we probably should have started with this, but, but it's all good. And, and I want all of us to, um, to share how we knew we were in the commitment, but we, there are stages along the bariatric journey, right there, there's your pre-op stages. And then right after surgery, it's usually known as like the honeymoon. It's where things feel like it's going really easy, right? Like everything is just, everything's kind of smooth sailing. We're feeling good, losing weight, right? Things are, things are rocking and rolling. And then according to our bariatric binders, right. Or, or just things that are out there on the internet, the stage progression was you went from the honeymoon to life and maintenance, right? It was just boom, boom. And I can remember being about two years post-op, two and a half years post-op, and I got really angry. Things got really hard. They got really dark. They got really angry. Everything that was working was not working. And I was just at my wits end. And I absolutely was like, bye, ain't doing this. Peace out. I just was not good. And I was sitting there reflecting on like, why am I feeling this way? It really dawned on me. I wasn't in maintenance, but I was not in the honeymoon. There is this stage that exists between the two. And we have dubbed it the commitment. And it's this period along our bariatric journey where things get very hard, very heavy. What was working isn't working. Our mindset shifts again. The old returns. Things become familiar again. It's just, it's just a weird 
right wash pool of, of all kinds of, of craziness and it's definitely not maintenance and it, and it is not the honeymoon it is this stage of our journey where we need to commit to either living the rest of our lives as a bariatric patient or living our lives as we did before surgery both are valid choices there's no judgment or shame right no matter which way you go if you choose the life of a bariatric patient, you are signing up for a future of unknowns. You have never walked this path before. You have never lived this life. And that's scary. If you choose the life that you know, you are returning to, to familiarity and, and to comfort. But you probably are also returning to a weight that is once familiar as well. So there are good and bad things about both. But you cannot live with one leg on each on each side, right? You really do have to pick one or the other. It's the commitment. This is the stage. And, and I don't think that, you know, by just verbally saying like, well, I commit to the bariatric life. It doesn't mean that you move out of that stage and that, and that you find yourself in maintenance. It means that you've kind of declared your intention. And while you're still in that commitment phase, you are really trying out that bariatric life. Or as I did, I try on my old life and I go down that path for a little bit. And it's like, oh, well, this is not what I was hoping for at all. Um, my question for that very long intro is how did, how, how did you know that you were firmly in the commitment stage? And then what did you do or really what, what is helping the most to kind of help you make a decision on either side of that? So Herb, do you want to go first? Yeah, I think very similar to you, April. I, you know, it was again, leading up to my two-year appointment with my surgical team, I knew I was not at the weight goal that I wanted to be. And I knew I was not being plan compliant. And I knew that tomorrow I was going to do it. Tomorrow I was going to get back on that bus. And I had, you know, you know, March came and April came and May came and I kept not doing it. And I kept repeating the cycle of, well, I'll just start Monday. I'll just start next week. And then um, it was, I think my appointment was on a Wednesday and it was like the Sunday before. And I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to drink a protein shake for every meal for the next three days. I'm going to drop 10 pounds magically, right? And so I did it and I went to my appointment and I was super cranky because <laughs> I'm sure I had lost a few pounds, but I also hadn't eaten in three days. And I sat in the garage after that, that appointment and I said, this doesn't work. You have been this person before. And when I made the commitment, it was a moment when I decided to have surgery. I was with my husband and my son and they were hiking ahead of me. And I remembered this moment and they were ahead of me. And I said to myself, it was like, I am also not a religious person, but I feel like someone spoke to me and said, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? And so I asked myself again, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? If you knew this was going to be successful, how would you treat yourself? How would you talk to yourself? Would you continue to eat how you have for the past 30 some years of your life? No. Would you drink a protein shake for every meal for the next three weeks? No, you wouldn't do that. You would choose every day to make some good decisions. You would work on building some habits and you would just kindly start again. That's where I found myself on the uh, commitment plateau was the phrase I was trying to coin out here on the windy prairie. On the mountaintop, on the bariatric mountaintop. Yeah. Great work. <laughs> I, uh, I too had that, that again, our stories are so, so similar, Herb. And I think it's similar for a lot of bariatric patients. You do find yourself going, oh, I, I've been here before. I've been this person before. And I hope folks who are, you know, earlier along in their journey or even pre-surgery aren't scared by talking about that. But I think it's helpful to know that it's not all sunshine and rainbows. There are going to be moments when you just get very frustrated by things, Because, but it's exactly like Jason said, we haven't lived this life before. And there are of course going to be bumps and it's going to be feel uncomfortable in this new skin. But I sure as heck don't want to go back. I sure am happier on this side of the journey than I was two and a half plus years ago. Yeah, 
right? Despite all of the hardship and the setback and the struggles, you you still have chosen your bariatric life over your old life. Over and over again. Jason, what about you? How did you know you were in the commitment? Oh, such a good question. <laughs> I'm living proof that you can enter the commitment stage and then pop back out of the commitment stage and then have to re-enter the shit again <laughs> because I've done it. Um, I'm doing it now, as a matter of fact. I committed, I started tracking, doing the things, and I lost uh, weight that I hadn't been hanging on to for a while. And then I decided that with everything going on, that was a little too tiresome. And then I was like, jumped, abandoned ship. And guess what? All the weight that I lost plus some's come back. So um, I'm currently buckling down again and figuring out how to navigate all the things that are happening to me and taking care of myself along with taking care of others, which is something that I've never done before. And so I'm navigating that in such a way that I know that I have to not only, I'm kind of looking at it like I have to commit to myself as much as I'm committing to other people. And that's what's helping me move forward because like I, you know, like we talk about all the time, you can't help anybody else if you don't put your own oxygen mask on first. I'm no good to anyone whose health is failing if my health is failing right along with them. So it has been kind of one of those things I've had to kind of shock myself back into reality on is that I can't just, you know, take my hands off the wheel and go, ah, it'll steer itself, it'll figure it out. Uh, we don't have autopilot, that shit doesn't work. Like <laughs> you have to still make conscious decisions to move forward in the best way that's gonna serve yourself in your journey. And I have not been doing that whatsoever. Uh, but I think probably about the most thing I could credit myself with is my water has been on point past that. Uh, everything else is in the shit. So I am, you know, after I got back from Oklahoma and doing the things that I've been doing, I have kind of refocused on what's going on, what's happening. Um, got the grandbaby. So I'm moving around a hell of a lot more than I was before they got here. Um, and just kind of making conscious efforts to do things more, but I wasn't doing without overloading myself in such a way, like we talked about, that's not beneficial to me. Because if I look at it like I'm trying to transverse a mountain, I'm not going to get very far. But if I look at it like, as long as I get some steps going in the right direction, we're going to make some progress. So I'm looking at that like I'm going to continue to nail my water because that's what's going to help me. Now we're going to work on what I've been putting in this hole in my face because that's been awful. So we're, you know, kind of trailing, you know, tailoring that back down to what I know I need to be doing. There's a couple of things that never did change, which is my breakfast, of course, which will never change. But, you know, it's, it's the lunch and dinner things that I kind of was diving off the deep end on. So making sure that I don't consume the feelings that I've been having or the emotions that I'm dealing with tied to the, you know, the family issues I've got going on, my father being sick and all those things. Like I can't, I can't eat that away. At the end of the day, there's nothing I can eat that is going to make my father better. There's nothing I can eat that's going to put me closer to my father where I can help take care of him or any of the things, like any of the things that are going to happen. My, you know, eating something's not going to tell my kids what's going on and have to deal with those emotions and my emotions and everything happening. So it really took that to kind of kick it into perspective for me and think that I'm not going to consume anything that, or, you know, rob myself of like not eating at all for a while. Cause I just didn't feel like doing anything. Like none of those things are going to benefit me with what's happened. So I have to get right with myself to feel better, to do the things. Because what I've started noticing is, is I'm creeping back to a point where I'm no longer comfortable standing, standing, still standing, I can walk and do the things that I've been doing, but if I do that and stand long enough, I've begun looking for places to sit down again, which I haven't done in a long time. So that was something that was a start, a harsh, very harsh reality for me um, just yesterday, as a matter of fact. Like I found myself doing it yesterday and I was like, oh, fuck no. What we're not going to do is that. I will not be that guy again, ever. So, you know, well, as soon as we get done here, me, we're going to get grandbabies, we're going to go for a walk, and having them help parrot the fact that what we tell them early, they remember, so they love going on walks, so that I know that they're going to be like, hey, hey, let's go, you said we were walking, let's go walk, <laughs> and 
it actually, I mean, it helps a lot, but you know, I've got six weeks with them. So six weeks of doing that and getting that into that, I'm building that habit and I'm cheating a little bit doing it because I'm using them to help. But, but still, honestly, I mean, whatever works at this point. So I'm going to use that to help kind of propel me into the fact that by the time they do go home, not only will I be feeling better, but I will have more stamina than I have right now. And that's kind of my jumping off point. My my question to you, which you already answered, I was like, okay, it's great that you've got this extra motivation with your grandbabies. But what are you going to do when they're gone, right? Because that's not a stable part of your life. So if we're building these habits off these unstable pieces of our life, then when that goes away, so could our habits. But I'm so excited that you have already done that math, and you're like, okay, th- this has got to be long term. And that's kind of the thing. Like it, it started with the step back stuff. And then when step back's over, you take breaks and then you do this and then it kind of ebbs and flows. But I now know that feeling how I feel now isn't how I felt when we were walking constantly. So getting out of doing those things until I'm able to get to a point where I can go to the gym regularly again, which will be when they leave. Um, this is kind of my jumping off point to that. I plan on transitioning once I get my stamina and my health back up to that point, then I'm going to transition to going to the gym every day when I, or, you know, the, the few days a week that I plan to go and have rest days in between. That's kind of what I'm going to use to continue the motivation because I do miss going to the gym. I miss feeling how I felt when I was in the gym. So like I said, using this as, a, as kind of the motivation to get me back to that point is, is how I'm looking at it so that when, I, when they do leave, I'm not going, well, now what? Now what is, now you take your ass down the street to the gym and we keep going, What you know, keep building what we've done. So Yeah. And I very much appreciate you acknowledging the commitment is not a stage that we move through and then never see again. This is not the honeymoon, you know, it, it's not that. This is, this is a place that we can find ourselves revisiting often because as life changes, so will our bariatric life, right? We, we have to keep up with the time, so to speak, yeah. which means that we could be revisiting, committing to this new form of our bariatric life as life, as life goes on. Oh yeah. These doors don't lock when you go through them. I promise you. No, they do not. no. no they I wish don't. they did. I, yeah, I wish they did. <laughs> Ms. Nat, what about you? How did you know you were in the commitment? Oh, uh, I think it was almost, I think it was about a year ago. Uh, I had gotten on the scale. I stopped weighing myself consistently because I thought, well, I've lost, I've lost the weight. I'm good. Uh, and I, I jumped on the scale and I was up uh, about 20 pounds from my lowest weight. And we had just gone over in Berry Nation, the podcast, everything about, we had a uh, March macros. Uh, and it was about May or June at this point. And I was like, oh, you know, we talked all about macros and tracking and uh, maybe I should do that. <laughs> I was like, I, I haven't been doing that for a while. Uh, and it's true. I wasn't. I uh, got really comfortable with uh, my success and feeling myself, which you should. You should absolutely feel proud of yourself and feel good in your own body but I, I took the celebration and I just ran with it for months. Um, so that was food, alcohol, everything that it was in excess um, as I, as much as I could being post-op. Um, and so I remember texting April and just saying, I think I need to start tracking. How the heck do you do that? <laughs> Cause she had been tracking for a while and uh so I started tracking and, and, and realizing, oh, like this is actually helpful information. Um, but that wasn't enough. I wasn't seeing the scale move. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't seeing that the scale go down or, and I wasn't feeling better. I wasn't like, I was only focusing on one pillar. Um, and then I realized that, well, maybe I need some other tools. So I went on some, uh, I'm on Wellbutrin for depression, but it also helps with appetite. It helps kind of pull my, my focus from food over to just other life things. So, uh, I called my psychiatrist and went back on Wellbutrin. Um, I started going to support groups. I had been going to Laura's, uh, emotional eating 
support group consistently for since last August until very recently. Um, but I just, same as Herb actually, just remembered saying to myself, like, I've been here. <laughs> I've been reckless with my food and with alcohol before. Why am I doing this? And and really asking myself those questions. And I think you and I, April, may have been talking about how I haven't been utilizing the tools that I have been creating for so many other people. Oh, yeah. Um well, yeah, we had a big conversation about that, but well, that um, was a big one. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I realized like, oh, like I need to, in order for me to be successful on this journey, I need to implement all of these tools that I've been creating for others. Um, and that's why I decided to go to emotional eating because I realized I'm an emotional eater. Most people are, if not all, but I am an emotional eater and I need help. Um, and so I think the commitment for me has just been kind of getting over that pride of not wanting to ask for help and just accepting the help that I, that I have created or have gathered, um, without even really realizing it. Um, and so doing that consistently, um, for myself, I'm kind of at a point now where I'm, I wouldn't say I'm out of the commitment fully, but I'm starting to feel like that that phase is ending and I can open that door that will never lock behind me. Uh, I can open that door to life and maintenance a little bit, uh, which feels good. Um, but it was a really hard and scary place to be to say, I've seen this before. Mm -hmm. um, and, and to have that conversation of like, you could go back there, but you don't want to. So let's figure out how we're going to keep going. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, and I love how you brought up that pride component, right? Obesity is an isolating disease by nature and we, we isolate ourselves and sometimes it could be the medical establishment makes it isolating. There's, I, there's very few treatment, right? Like it's just, and, and we can fight that isolation by seeking out community. We can fight that isolation by saying, oh, I don't actually have everything that I need. And, and that's okay. I wasn't, born with the tools, right? Like I, I do need actually something else and, and to seek it out and to, and to, to be brave to, to do exactly that is kind of what the commitment is all about is getting real, real with ourselves and saying, okay, what do I already know? And what do I truly need? And then pursuing what we truly need with fidelity. And adding on that accountability uh, component, I, I told my my inner circle, I said, I'm going to start going to this support group every week. Mm -hmm. And I think I might have in the, it was August until about March. So six, seven months. I think I only missed maybe two or three support yeah. groups out of that entire span because I knew that I needed it. I told my circle so they could call me out if I didn't show up. Um, and they still do, which I find... <laughs> hilarious but and also wonderful but you know it's like that that accountability point or that came into practice um and it was a loving kind accountability it was I know that I need this in order to get better and then from my my circle from my friends it was I know that you made this promise to yourself let's keep going. So it was, it was to tie it back to that self-love. It's like, this wasn't like a scary malicious thing. It was a, I'm, I love you enough to, to help nudge you back to where I know you want to be. Yep. Herb, what, what would you say to anybody in this stage where you currently find yourself? What, what, or what are you telling yourself maybe every day that's helping you really get through this moment? You said something profound to me that I'm that I've hung on to April when I was in the fits of one of these angry moments. Like I hate what's going on. I feel like I'm dieting. I just don't want to do this anymore. And you said, well, stop. You're already doing something different in this moment. You're reaching out to someone else who gets it. 
And I said to myself, oh, that sort of just stopped myself in my tracks and made myself look at myself in a different way and speak to myself differently. So I would tell folks, find a community that you can be a part of, find a trusted advisor. I'll plug Berry Nation there, you know, <laughs> of course. <laughs> I found great, um, I was going to use the word comfort. That's not exactly the right word, um, but just people who get it. And you need people who understand, who have had this lifelong battle with obesity, who who understand what it's like to beat yourself up and stop you dead in your tracks and say, hey, like Jason said, you're not going to speak to anyone else that way. So don't speak to yourself that way. So I would tell folks, find those people in your life. Um, stop beating yourself up. Try tackling one thing at a time. Um, if you're constantly worried about something, you know, I use the analogy, I my thoughts are on a shelf and I take the thought down and I say, can I do something about this thought that I'm so flustered with, flustered about or frustrated with? If I can do something about it in that moment, then do that thing. If not, well, set it back up on the shelf and, you know, figure it out later. But don't get overwhelmed with everything that you have to do is my point. You know, tackle one thing at a time and it's worth it in the end. You are worth it. Um, with all the tools that you have, you're not going to fail. You just have to figure out how to keep walking one foot in front of the other. Yeah, when you find judgment-free acceptance, which is what you find in Barry Nation, is one of the things that helps us be easier on ourselves. Because once we realize that there really is no judgment attached to it, that you can just accept where you are currently, and that's how you begin to figure out making a plan to get out from where you are. It, that's, it's a whole different level of learning how to view obstacles that you're facing. We are not experts on the bariatric journey. We are definitely experts at beating ourselves up as folks who have battled obesity. And so the trick is to put that person away and become experts in living this bariatric life. Mm -hmm. absolutely we're, we're not going to be mad that you're lost we're just here to, to help you find your way forward herb as always our conversations with you are just so enlightening and empowering and inspiring and and just so honest thank you so very much for being so willing to share what what is a very intimate and personal um time of your life oh it's been my pleasure i appreciate the opportunity if people would like to connect with you, where can they do so? You can find me on Instagram at Herbiatric for a public service announcement. My name, you say the H. If there are many in the community who don't say the H, it's Herb. It's not like oregano or thyme, not herb, Herb. But you can find me on Instagram at Herbiatric. Oh, you're gonna love it. I freaking love it. We'll make that's sure it's linked in the show. As a shout out and a stick to Rob at all at the same time, because he's gonna listen to this and be like, I've been calling him Herb for years. <laughs> I laugh every time he does it. And I'm like, huh. Okay. There's no good way to say it if you don't do it right at first. So no. but we love you, Rob. We're not poking at you, Rob. <laughs> we do love you. Oh my god. I love it. Uh Miss Nat, you have some exciting news to share with people. Yes. So we are now on Patreon. We've been on Patreon for a couple months now as you guys are listening to this uh, podcast. Uh, Patreon is a wonderful way for for us to gain support as the podcast. We cannot do this without uh, Patreon support. Uh, it helps keep the lights on, if you will. Um, but you guys also get uh, some additional support outside of just the podcast or outside of just our Instagram and social media. Um, we post daily, weekly content just for our patrons. Uh, if you would like to join, I believe our, our uh, address is patreon.com slash Barry Nation podcast. However, it will be linked in the show notes and it is in our Instagram link in bio. We would love to have your support over there. If you are a Barry Nation member, currently you get all of the Patreon perks that exist yes. there uh, as well. So if you love this support, if you rely on this type of content to help you get 
get you through your bariatric life. We'd very much appreciate your support. Jason, my friend, you want to take us out? Yes, ma'am. Herb, we appreciate you spending time with us. Your uh, your your knowledge on the subject and kind of opening yourself up means the world to us. We appreciate you always. Um, to the community, we can't thank you guys enough. Words cannot express what you guys mean to us, what you do for us, and the likes, the shares, and subscribes, and sharing what we do for the world uh, in the bariatric community because that's how we find all the people that need the assistance. So we're 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 scouring the nooks, the crannies, the darkness, all the places to find the people and bring them to the light so we can assist them in all the ways that are needed. Um, we thank you guys for still leaving us ratings and reviews on on uh, your favorite podcast player, YouTube, all the same things. Um, the What used to be the Anchor app, which is now the Spotify app, you can still leave us voice messages that we can incorporate into future episodes of the podcast because that's just another way we get to highlight you guys and we appreciate all the things you guys have sent us so far that we've been able to do that with. And just remember, at the end of the day, you've got this, we've got you, and we'll see you next time. Awesome. Thanks, friends. Thanks, Herb. Bye, everybody. Bye.